0: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin.
1: Hey, welcome to the Digital Soul Food Podcast. I'm your host. Jason Wallace here with my co-host, Esan Scott. What's good, E?
2: What up, Jay? How you doing today, brother?
1: Man, I'm good, sir. You know, was trying to uh, get through this uh, pandemic like everybody else.
2: Well, I don't think there's no getting through this. We're in it. And uh, I think you just, like you said, take your seat, strap in, and let's see how this 2020 play out, second half.
1: Oh, sounds like a player.
2: the Bronx, even Jersey. That's how high up I am. For my rooftop, it was just the cascades of industrial-sized fireworks. I've never seen that before in my life, man. And the sounds were were just like it was in my living room. I mean, I haven't been able to really sleep a good night in probably about 10 or 12 days. So Do consider you th- yourself lucky, man. I
1: mean, some people were saying that it's part of, like, some psyops from from the police department, psychological warfare to counter all the protesting. Um, But, you know, it's not just New York, right? It's Chicago. It's L.A. It's pretty much every city has had, right, it's, it's had, like, all these, it's like, so, I mean, for me, a couple of things, where are all these fireworks coming from? and you know how is it that there's so many cities so many people with so many police fireworks that are going off consistently you know for the past month you know not even like a couple of days like usually it's you know the week before 4th of july but it's been a solid month so it just begs to begs to ask the question is there a conspiracy theory going on and i'm not the conspiracy theory guy but this is definitely uh one of those times when i'm i'm looking you know looking behind the the door to see if the man is there?
2: Well, I I wouldn't so much say it's a conspiracy. I think it's very blatant, you know, because there is definitely this thing called the blue flu. I think that is real. Just like COVID is, I think the blue flu from a police slowdown and, and an avoidance to crack down on what they know is a pervasive attempt to disrupt normal everyday working Americans and they've just allowed chaos to rain down on us. There was a few pushbacks in our city that were coordinated. I didn't know how they got coordinated, but I know there was a group of cars that drove up to the mayor's you know, home at Gracie Mansion and just started unleashing on their horns to let the mayor know. Listen, if we can't sleep, you can't sleep either. Right. Yep. And, and it's just, I'll tell you a story maybe a little later about you know I had to go confront some of the guys downstairs just because I'm I'm really wondering and I had to ask them this question: What the hell are you celebrating,
1: and why? Like, why are you are you celebrating for so long? You know, using fireworks this late at night, knowing that everyone is trying to get some sleep. You know, again, people have. This time of year, everyone's kind of like, okay, there's gonna be fireworks. But again, like it's just been, it's been so pervasive for the past month that it's just you're over it. To your point, like yo, you're trying to get some sleep. Uh, again, I'm lucky that my building faces the train track, so there's nothing over there. If I was facing the other way, then yeah, like I would get all of the other buildings and all the other areas where the fireworks are going off. It's crazy
2: is this what anarchy looks like to you i mean because I, I i drove around on 4th of july i had to make a few stops harlem looked like the old harlem i mean cars were out there people in the middle of the street just lighting off these military grade style fireworks and i could not find a police car even if i wanted to and it, and it's sad because this is where my tax dollars are going and it feels like i have no say from you know, the people willing to cause havoc in the streets and I have no protection from the people that I pay with my tax dollars. So I'm asking you, is this what anarchy feels like?
1: I think this is what the police want us to believe, that this is what anarchy feels like. You know, mm-hmm. to your point, like the blue flu, the slowdown, I mean, it's it's very clear that there's a directive that came from someone above, and I don't believe it's, you know, the actual police brass, but someone pretty, pretty much, and I would, I would beg to say... Uh, the PBA boss, um, Lynch, was probably the one who said, yo, like, okay, they want to defund the police. Let's show them what that looks like. You know, with, to your point, like, I live a block away, two blocks away from the police station. I don't see any police patrol in the neighborhood. I don't see cars driving. I don't even see, you know, going to work. And I've run pretty much in, at night. So I run at a time when they would normally be sh- changing shifts so they'd be, you know, pulling up, whatever the case. I don't see it at all. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of areas here where their police pretty much parked outside uh, because you know the, the the buildings are not too uh, friendly for whatever the case is, right? So I think that there is, I think they're trying to send a message to show the city that they're needed, um, and no one's denying that, no one's if refuting that they're needed. I, I just think that they're missing the point, improving everybody else's point in that if you look at the way we are policed, it's more about Mental health issues, domestic issues, things that you don't need the cops for, right? And and mm-hmm. if we could shift some of the resources to better, you know, staff those services, EMTs, right? Then the cops can actually do police work, and they can actually do things that are more valuable and more productive for them. It's, it's which is something they a lot of police have been asking for for years. So it's just it's just weird that I understand the outcry because, you know, we're seeing police brutality. And then, you know, we have these marches and these protests and then the police are brutalizing us while we're peacefully protesting police brutality. (laughs) It's like, yo, it's like you're doing exactly what we said you're, you've been doing and you're proving our point every single time. You're making the case to make it worse for you. And so there has to be some point and then the mayor is not, you know, helping because he's very wishy-washy. Right. So I think what's going to happen over the next year, you know, while we you know wait to get a new mayor in, the city council is going to probably have to take a little bit more more direct um, action. The governor is probably going to have to come in and take some direct action because New York City can't be lawless.
2: Well, well, that's what it is. The di- direct action always means incarceration when it comes to our community. So we're we're in a catch twenty two. Though we we don't believe in this policy of putting brown people in cages, we do know that, you know, some of these folks gotta go. <laughs> so some of these folks got, got to go, man. And,
1: you and know? Yeah, you know, but the thing is like, people mistake the fact that black people, we actually want, I, I want to be able to have Walk well, out the side and have to worry about anybody. I you mean, know, I want my daughter to be able to walk down the street and not have to worry about anybody. We want those same things that everyone else wants. And yeah, you know, in every society, every every race creed, color, there's people who just don't care, who don't care about the law, who break the law all the time. Sure, they should be held to held accountable, right? Um and I, and I think that gets conflated because people, especially, you know, look at us and say, Oh well, you guys kill each other. So you guys hurt each other so it, it gives us a green light to hurt you. No, that's not the case. Like, everybody hurts everybody. We do, we hurt each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Problem is when I am sitting in my car, not resisting, and you feel a need to shoot me because you feared for your life, because maybe something you saw two months down in the past where you felt like you really weren't fair for your life. You know, thinking that I'm gonna be the next guy, you know, that's gonna do that to you. And it could just be that, you know, you're just abusing your power power and your authority. Cause that's what it seems to be a lot as well with with these cops.
2: Well, that's what they say, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But I think that this year is probably, we're gonna need some serious therapy after this year. We had Kobe, we had the end of all sports, this coronavirus. Even you and I, who have been friends for a long time, over 30 years, couldn't come together, still haven't really come together, you know, physically. And then the fear of getting gunned down by people paid to protect us. And then now the psychological warfare of who is actually in control. And I I think you have a great topic for today about false prophets. Let's talk about the ones that we elected into office. Do you even have any faith? that they, there's anything that they can do to help us get out of this situation that 2020 has us in?
1: I don't really have faith in the mayor, uh, de Blasio. So I, I saw locally, right? So I don't have faith in de Blasio. Like, I just think, you know, the way, he, the way he's been handling the police, the way he's been handling, you know, their reaction to the protests, the way he's been handling them, just period, it's just been, you know, they have no respect for him. And so mm. it just seems that, and he has no, he just doesn't understand or doesn't want, want to, you know, really, Wrangle him in. Look, you got a year left in your term. You can't run again. At this time, it's like, yo, I'm giving no fucks. And you, all right, yo, this is what you want to do. I'm no overtime. Like, no overtime. Like, that That sends a message to the cops right away. You're not getting paid. You're going to get, you do your job and you come into the, you come in. You come to the station, you're not getting paid overtime. Sit down with Lynch, sit down with the leaders. Like, you know, yo, like, why? what's the problem? But he just doesn't seem to want to do that. I think he has more of an agenda to try and, and, you know, take a higher office. But, then you know, New York is, we have a, a very long memory and we don't want a wishy-washy leader who's going to be, you know, whether it be Senate or House, whatever the case is. And, you know, he's just it's just he's just going to need to go away and, you know, go off into the sunset and go back to private equity. So now we go up to the state level. I think Cuomo is capable, but he's probably handicapped a little bit in that he would have to declare a state of emergency to be able to to come into the city. And so his relationship with, with the, with the Blasio is shaky at best. And so there's just so much he can do. He can, he can really just like, Hey, like y'all, y'all need to cut it out. Like your kids stop, you know, y'all gotta stop, you know, stop fighting and play better. You know? So now we get up to the federal level, you know, Trump is, trying to divide everybody. So, you know, just totally being the racist that he is, he just offered to step in and help New York and Chicago after their 4th of July weekend where we saw all these shootings. It's like, nah, like we don't need that. I think that what, I, I do think that the city council can step in. I think that the borough presidents can step in. I think that the the city, the leaders, the our local leaders are our, from, from our clergy to our civic leaders can step in and really, focus in on and really talk to, to, to the cops and be like, "Yo, like, are y'all going to do your job or what, you know, are you, are you guys going to you know how long are you going to play this game? Because the longer you play the game, the people are not going to forget this last, this latest budget, the city council, um, you know, shifting a million, a billion dollars, but not really, you know, people are really, people are going to go to the polls and are going to elect politicians that are, that are going to affect real change. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what's I think that's what's gonna happen in the next couple months.
2: Listen, whenever you're a mayor of a city and all mayors are learning this, is that the police department have them by the you know what. It's one of the hardest unions to go against. And for a couple of reasons. One, in their contract, they're one of the hardest to be fired. It's 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 a job where Your life is in danger. So for that, you get the assurity that you just can't be fired willy-nilly. It takes so much. And we've learned that from, you know, Eric Garner case, you know. It took Pantaleo about five years before they allowed him to resign. And and he was able to make a lot of money during that time. And we see that all across the country. Unions know this. Mayors learn this. And what de Blasio is learning now, too, is also that He relies on the police department, parking. um, I know a lot of people haven't even been getting parking tickets lately. Parking, uh, summonses, bail, those things bring a lot of money to the budget. And if you want police to go out there and supply an economy for the city, then you have to listen to their demands. They almost have you in in a vicarious position. But moving up the chain to... To whether we we have a uh, state of emergency, it's a tricky and it's a it's a, it's just a tricky place to be in because we still have an economy that's trying to get open. A lot of businesses are not going to be coming back as we see, and it's hard to say. All right, bring the military in. Let's put a curfew on, and you know companies are doing everything they can, restaurants and such, to try to hang on with a thread. You know, they're 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 cutting staff. Um, who may not come back they they're cutting uh you know they they're trying to deliver food on sidewalks with with only three or four tables, you know it's it's hard to manage that and keep the quality of the you know the restaurant up with that. so the governor, you really don't want him to put his hands into it. and then when you go even higher, we see that the orange man number forty five is just a sideline, you know, critic. now I wanted to ask you, about that level, because a guy that uh, we both grew up respecting and loving, um, Kanye West, just put his name into the hat. And I just wanted to play something real quick, and, and then we're we're we're, we're going to decide, you know, you and I, whether you think he's serious or if this is cloud chasing. But I just want to play this real quick.
0: Yep. I just love Trump. That's my boy. Like. I just love Trump. That's my boy. like. When you hear about slavery for four hundred years, for four hundred years, that sounds like a choice. That sounds like a choice.
3: That sounds like a choice.
0: <laughs> like, you was there for four hundred years, and it's all of y'all.
2: Now, what do you think about this man who makes outrageous statements, goes in and out of religion like it's, uh, you know, a fad and now wants to run the country you know or at least is putting it out there you know he has elon musk and other people you know his wife uh rooting him on and and, and retweeting his his tweets jason is is this <laughs> cloud chasing or, or what man
1: part of his what so, say you jason you know so so you know kanye is a gemini and kanye is a narcissist very much the same way uh as 45 is so, you know, birds of a feather flock together. I mean, I think there's... I think there's a mm-hmm. couple of things. I think he feels he is more popular than he really is. I think with the positive news about uh, the the deal with the gap and about him, quote-unquote, finally being a billionaire and then Kim finally being a billionaire, I think, I think that's gone to his head a little bit. I think he's looking at it like, oh, wow, like, that people like me again. And then also you know, him donated money to some of the causes quietly when people are like, yo, okay, Kanye donated some money. Cool. I think that he, I think those things went to his head and I think he feels like he's back. And the reality is we don't care about him to that point anymore because, mm. you know, you're, you know, you, to the bites you played, like, for, slavery was not a choice. Slavery was enforced, you know, white people with guns and, and knives and were cutting off hands and cutting off heads and hanging people and, and lynching people and doing and burning people and black people. You systematic. Know, systematic. Rights. And, you know, laws are written to to ensure slavery by by white people. And so you can't tell. There's no way that it was a choice that when slaves had opportunities to free themselves, they certainly tried. So you can't tell me that, you know, people were docile for all this time. And so, but but just to say that, right, just to just to have that opinion is a descendant likely of a slave, right? You know, African-American man, it makes no sense. But also to be, you know, saying like Trump is my boy. Why? You know, if you feel, you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, after Katrina, you were on TV with, you know, saying, you know, George Bush doesn't like black people, right? Because... Yeah. You because he watched the response to Hurricane Katrina and how it destroyed New Orleans, pretty much impacted that you know that that region for until this day, and so it's like how could you see that George Bush hates black people, doesn't care about black people, and then you see the way Trump has been for the past three and a half years and the way he's he's treated black people and everyone else, and even in this fight and even with this COVID, like you saw, you see how he's been very much all right, Well. It's, At first, when, you know, it was white people who were being affected, he was concerned. But then when it started to, the numbers started to change, it was like, well, wow, a lot of minorities, a lot of blacks are getting getting sick or dying. Well, I don't care. I mean, that was his attitude. You know, the blue states. Oh, that's the blue states? Oh, we don't care. Because that's where all the black people are. Now, you know, oh, and now it's the red states. It's too late to care. But yeah, the yeah.
2: ego, the ego and in, in both, for that position, the ego seems like it's so overpowering. Both of them, in general, it's their wealth that gives them this, this agency to be able to talk and feel like people should listen. I'm asking you about this because we're, we're, we're still trying to find who are our leaders in these in these times, these very dark times. That was one person. Kanye West, who we grew up with, and we see that his evolution has, has, has taken an arc that we don't know where it's gonna go yet, but it doesn't look too promising. But here's another one from another guy who we grew up with, from, from your borough, and I wanted, I wanted to hear what you think about him too, hold on.
0: Okay, I think we've passed kneeling. Yeah, I think it's time to go into uh, actionable items. I think everyone knows what the issue is, and we're done with that. We, 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 everyone knows what the we. You know what the issue is? You know why we were kneeling? Okay. Do you know the issue? Yeah. Do you know the issue? Yes? We all know the issue now. Okay, next. Where are we moving on next? And I'm not, again, so to be clear for the room. I'm not minimizing that part of it because that has to happen. That's a necessary part of the process. But now we all know what's going on. What are we going to do? How are we going to stop? Because the kneeling was not about a job. It was about injustice. Let me bring attention to injustice. Everyone's saying, how are you going forward? And Cap doesn't have a job. This wasn't about him having a job.
1: Yeah, I think uh, he's, I think, I think at the time, I know I agree with what he said. You know, I said, like, I understood where he was coming from beyond, you know, you understand why he kneeled, why he was kneeling. We all understood why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. A lot of part of America didn't understand why he was kneeling. And so the next step of that was, you know, education. Also, how are we going to make it? How are we going to affect change? And then now we saw with George Floyd's death and we saw in America, saw the world saw exactly why Colin Kaepernick was kneeling and and. Fully understood, you know, why. And so I think like that, that, did, that didn't age well for, for Hove, but we've, but he's been doing a lot of work, right? So he's been, you know, his, his company, they've been in Mississippi petitioning the governor to improve the services because of, you know, the inmates are, are you know, being affected by COVID. Even before that, you know, all the, the unsanitary conditions all the harsh conditions in the Mississippi prisons. Working on reform, uh, Khalif Broder, Meek Mill. You know they've been in the forefront behind the scenes. You know trying to get you know things done. So I'm not going to give him. I I think he owes an an apology. I think he I think he needs to say like you know what I was wrong about this. You know we we are not past mm-hmm. kneeling. But I also think like his, the, the direction he's taken has been the right one and everything else he's
2: doing. His actions are good, but when you think about someone stepping into the shoes of a leader, he was he was in a position telling Colin Kaepernick, don't worry about a job, but he was in a position sitting next to, you know, Roger Goodell at that moment of that soundbite, positioning himself to be one of the few billionaires, you know, in America. Kanye joins him. And I, I was just trying to juxtapose and, and, and put those two together of, of people who have the the financial agency but uh are, are flawed in certain ways.
1: So. But I think that I think is I think there's a difference though, right? So with with Kanye, you know, he found religion and you know he you know started to do these Sunday service, right? These these boarding the choirs and started singing and started redoing songs and started recording it and in, in an effort to rebuild his image, right? So he's connected to God. And, you know, what you see a lot of times, and I equate it to when people were born again, right? So all of a sudden they're born again. And now all of a sudden God is everything and, and this Jesus and love, love, love. And I understand that. But then it was, okay, well, why are you selling these God's love socks for $75? Why are you selling these T-shirts for $120? Why are you, why are you profiting off of your newfound belief in belief faith? And, you know, understanding that, yes, the Sunday service choir, they it costs money for them to gather but you're making it a, 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 a spectacle of faith instead of again I'm not gonna tell anybody how to practice their faith and how to how to visibly show it but this wasn't about this was was more him aligning himself and getting back into the good graces of black people because you of course you know black people especially black southern people it's all about church right it's all about forgiveness, like you know, it's, that's what it, that's where they live, and so well, yeah,
2: that's well, that's that's what the whole Republican Party is about, uh, you right. know. Well, that's part of their foundation, yeah.
1: Right, and so with that, so I look at it like I like I, I look at it with some skepticism, and then you know to see the steps that he's taking, you know, then it's like, oh, we're we gonna show up at the Super Bowl, we're we gonna do this. Oh, we're we gonna show up at the NBA All Star, do this. It's like, okay, well, you went from doing it out on a, in, on a mountain. By yourself on hills of L- L.A. by yourself, and now you're you're attaching it to these vehicles, you know. Now you're making it into promotion. Are you? Is it really genuine? In my opinion, no. Uh, and then when I look at Jay Z, he's always been more of like, okay, how do I get in to how do I get to that table and make those decisions to be part of be part of the decision makers, right? And you know, he what he said was his conversations because he had first formed a relationship with Robert Kraft with their work trying to get Meek Mill free, you know, a year later, maybe you should be part of this Super Bowl. Maybe you should be part of the NFL in some way, somehow do something because, you know, as many shots as you was taken outside of at the NFL, you know, there's like, you know, in the songs, like, yo, y'all want me to do Super Bowl, I'm in stadiums too. It made more sense to be like, okay, well, if we can... Be part of. If we can sit at the table and help make those decisions, it goes a long way, and that's exactly what we've been trying to say. And through even through this movement, you know, with all these corporations talking about, you know, we are, you know, we see you as Black people. We get it. No, we've been telling you for a while. You need to have more Black people in in the C suite. You need to have more Black people in positions of of as decision makers, so that you can get that culture, and you can understand and get the insights directly. And not make those mistakes, but NFL is. is you also got to remember that the NFL is thirty-two owners of teams that have been are very, very slow to make any kind of change. So when I see a Jay go it's, in it's and say, money.
2: It's "Plantation money," that,
1: yeah, like like you know, a lot of them, made, you know, they made their money. You know, most sports owners have made their money. Doing something other than sports, so this is their hobby. And so I think for what I think Jay going in there and being like, "All right, well, let's try and figure out something to get this done, and then let's get past it. Let's keep moving forward." While while he's in the at the table, I thought it was I thought it would be effective. Again, I don't know, and I said to you before we had in the other show, I say let's see where this goes, right? So, but he's not perfect. He can make a misstep. I don't think that I, I don't see him and Kanye being the same. I don't, I see him. I see, I see, I see see Kanye's moves as being very calculated and very uh, opportunistic opportunistic, where I see Jay as being more calculated to affect the change that he's been talking about and that you see in in the work that he's been doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me just say this then. I do not fault Kanye or Jay-Z or anyone for that matter who are trying to get a stake in an entirely American industry, which the NFL, the NBA, even though it was created or invented by a Canadian. But the NFL in particular, who we've been always on the peripheral, never really, you know, at a lot of those decision-making tables, not even coaches, coach-wise. So I applaud him for coming from the Marcy Projects And having a seat next to the commissioner, you know, and discussing ways to which he can get a foothold into this industry. You know, I wouldn't even fault Kanye for the gap and for his agencies that he's trying to jump into. You know, I applaud him. This is what the American dream is supposed to look like. But when we come back after this, Jay, we want to talk about the messenger. Which, by the way, was your nickname uh, uh-huh. in basketball? Fact. You know, we played at we played at Rucker Park. You were called the Messenger. You know, vicious dunks that you were uh, placing on people's heads. But we're talking about this movement now: Black Lives Matter. We're talking about protesting. We're talking about getting into industries such as the NFL. Are there, is there such thing as false prophets? And when we come back. Let's jump into that.
1: Hey, so we have a special guest with us. We have Naima Cochran, world famous at Naima. World famous.
0: Oh,
1: wow. world famous. You are world famous. Oh, you, got, you got an original Twitter name, at Naima. Like, that's hey, a, sure. that is That is definitely uh, world famous. this <laughs> um, Naima has been... Uh, featured in a number of magazines well uh, she's a great music executive she's started the excellent music sermon um Mm -hmm. threads on twitter and uh right now she's doing a uh, these tears uh live um what do you what would you call that like
3: um i I guess we could call it a, a ig live series um where basically It is me and my friend, uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Jamo. And we are literally just us and however many people join us on IG Live arguing over how to rank certain aspects of um, television that we grew up with, which has been fun to do. Um, Much more fun than I anticipated. I didn't expect it being as (laughs) much fun as it was, it's hilarious.
2: Wow! So, wait, wait. Can you explain that again? Because I, I came up. I am a seventies baby, and you know, me and a couple friends, we do have a debate on eighties black shows all the way up through the nineties. You know, some of those stars that have been canceled, you know, for particular reasons, but those shows did raise us. Can you can you just tell us a little bit about when you say ranking? um
3: so we saw in june may late may early june i can't even remember how long it's been now i want to say maybe the beginning of june or no it was may um we saw this viral graphic go around that ranked black sitcoms and mm -hmm. we were like this is horrible it's missing people these don't go there whatever have you so my friend jamal was like we should hop on IG live and redo it. <laughs> and, but he had his boy create a whole like promo graphic for it. Right. And we had a hashtag and the first one. So the first one, we had an existing ranking that we were redoing. And there's, there were three levels of tiers. No, four levels of tiers. There was a God tier, a top tier, a mid tier, a low tier. So we had a conversation on IG Live. People chimed in. Jay, I think, Jay, have you been on all of them? I think Jay was there. Been on a Um, couple of them, yeah. Yeah. So I had a whole conversation and really hashed it out. Like, this show goes there because this. This show goes there because that. This show wasn't really that good. Your nostalgia, you know, is warping your, you know, your actual sense of of what was was good and what wasn't. So then from that one, we did theme. (laughs) We did theme songs from that one we did cartoon theme songs from that one we did sitcom i might be missing one but i think from that one we did sitcom dads and just as last week we did sitcom mom sitcom moms mm. so it's we keep realizing that there's more and more to discuss like at some point this summer we'll do black movies and we'll do the soundtracks and we'll do disney songs and you know all that type of stuff so it's been um really kind of an interesting experiment and the folks who tune in for it get very passionate about it and it's already like a little community and i think it's just another thing where with there being no sports right now people enjoy having something people miss having something to debate Mm. they want something to do about like what's better they want to compare stats they want to compare you know what i mean like and it, it, it doesn't matter. You just give people some, some shit to talk about and they'll just go for it, which this has proven to us. Like the last two were like three and a half, four hours long, which is insane. But that's how passionate people were about fighting for where they think, you know, a certain person or song or character or show belongs right. in these rankings. Mm-hmm.
2: Right before Jason, before you came on, Miami. Jason and I were having a confidential conversation about some of the mm-hmm. silver linings of COVID-19. You know, there, there's so many negatives, but like you said, the debates, some of the versus, uh yeah. Instagram um, parties that have been going on, some of the live DJ parties have been going on. How, how what, what inspired you to have this, this epiphany to do something, at a time where so many people were you know just downtrodden i mean honestly that's really what
3: rather than because when he posted it on twitter like let's argue everybody was flooding the comments so he hit me on the side like we should hop on ig and redo it we didn't know it was going to become a thing we thought it might be a one-time thing but um like i said the people people responded mm-hmm. and people got into it and um we even put a, a hashtag on it. We call it the new TGIF because we do it on Friday nights, and um, and it's a, obviously a playoff of the old TGIF TV lineup. Because we also hate Family Matters, but that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, I think that people are I think that people a have gotten used to community through digital in a different way than we were before. Like we've always, we've been staying, we're used to staying connected through digital. We're used to having conversations through digital, but now we're actually getting used to the idea of fellowshipping through digital. And it's almost like when you used to be in chat rooms or something like that back in the day, except now it's in real time because you can see all the comments live and there's a an added mm-hmm. video and entertainment element. Right. So again, it just, I guess, similar to what Club Quarantine was for D-Nice or even what Versus was Mm -hmm. for Tim and Swiss. Like, it wasn't intentional to create something out of it. And I think that's usually the best part. Like, when you actually aren't setting out to create anything, it just becomes something. Um, Yeah, very organic. Because when you you set it up a certain way, it doesn't work. And literally, like, after that first one, I cop the domain, you know, create a little landing page. We have like rules and traditions and protocol and you know there there are people who return every week and they know the quote unquote routine, you know, and they and they help newcomers to how we do things. So it's it's fun. It's really fun. And it's and it's also funny how quickly you on the other meaning the person who's on the IG Live broadcasting become used to having conversations through the phone. Like I adapted it much more quickly than I thought I would. Yeah. Mm. Mm.
1: Dope. And that, you know, that also, you talking about organic. Yeah, you know, Music Sermon started, started by um, as well. That also reminds me of your um, Music Sermon. So Music right? Sermon so is a
3: series I do on Twitter. Right. Uh, I guess you would call it kind of like a music storytelling series that I started. It's been almost three years now. It'll be three years at the end of the month. Um, based on my own nostalgia from a different era in music. And I started by talking about how hard we used to dance back in the nineties. And just a similar thing to what I just said about, um, about these tears, doing that one spun off into people saying, you know, we need to talk about this artist. We need to talk about that artist. We need to talk about this time. So like the next week I did another one and the next week I did another one. And at one point I said, okay, I'm not going to become the thread lady. Cause that was a point people, because people do still do a lot of threads, but at that point, like there were a bunch (laughs) of different people doing threads. So I was like, I'm not going to become the thread lady. And somehow like actually the first year and change that I was doing music sermon, I think I only skipped like two or three weeks. Um, And then life kind of caught up with me. Thanks to the music sermon I started getting offers to write for publications. And then those things kind of started taking away the bandwidth for me to also do the sermons. But same thing, like it was something I did for me and, you know, for my own sense of nostalgia, entertainment, you know, revival, whatever you want to call it. And at first, people were jumping on it because, again, it was a nostalgic moment. talking about like early 90s music that was I was in high school like it's just a great time to remember but then people started responding like I didn't know this I'd never seen that wow I forgot about that and I realized there was an educational component there so my goal with music sermon and with these mm-hmm. tears we throw some of that in there a little bit but my goal with music sermon is to both entertain and educate and I try to tell stories that either haven't been told before or aren't told Often enough, right? So, like, I only talk about artists and subgenres and labels and moments before 2000. Like, I think that I did a neo soul one is that, and that was the most recent I've come with the music that I'm talking about. And it's because it's the stuff pre digital era that I think we have a disconnect with. We know everything about every artist that debuted from 2000 up. We've seen BTS footage, we've seen making of a video, we've right. seen cribs. We see them on the blog. They're on social media. Like we know everything, but the artist pre, but everything that happened pre, even if we knew it back then, people may not know it now. And it's kind of similar to what Versus is doing. When people are like, "Oh, I didn't know such and such produced that. I forgot he did that." It's a similar kind of, kind of vibe, but you know, in a more fleshed out like storytelling style.
2: Yeah. Yeah, respect. I respect that, and 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 that's the golden age, the '90s, and what you said earlier, and we'll move we on from it. So but hard. we did dance really hard in the '90s. <laughs> the Running Man, like just, just to have higher. you have a dance called yeah. the Running, and and just I nice. mean the '80s, we yeah. had to walk. Yeah, yeah, we used to go there and yeah. sweat. You know, so I do, I do miss that. That's dope. That's dope.
1: Yeah, I think you, I think we're gonna have to do a New York version uh-huh. of the, the nightclubs, though, for all of these tears. Or we or right. maybe serve one or two because you know now there's no clubs you know before we used to we used to have everything at the Maravas we had Nels right. you know, Low, Loaded, right. all those you know so many different spots and now it's like uh, there's right. nothing for us to do on weekends
3: Sunday to or Thursday during the week too because
1: obviously we went out every single night. Um,
3: yep, yep. Like,
1: yep, right. Friday Saturday, it was for the, the tunnel crowd. <laughs> we was it, it, and. Us, you know, Isan and I, you know, being basketball players, like we would we would work out every day, all day, or have games and play, and then we'd leave, mm-hmm. meet up at night, and then we'd be out to like what, three, four, five <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'd be right back at it again. Yeah.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I'm I am saying. We were we young. We had yeah, that. those
2: are the young, young lads. We you don't got that no more. <laughs> Nah, At all. nah, I'm good for one, for one once every right. three, once every quarter. I'm good for one once every quarter now.
1: Be uh, but, you know, talking about, you know, coming back to the education part, right? So I think one of the things that you know, I've seen lately mm-hmm. has have been you're educating everybody about Sean King, right? And, and how he's been, um, you know, with, with the different nicknames of um Talcum X and, yeah. you know, Know, you know, Martin Luther scam and, you know, doing so much, so much, too many different things, um, which is why I want to talk to you today. Right. So I feel like we're on the same page um, in, right. in how we feed, how we view Sean. But I guess what I want to say is, it's kind of like, what was it that, where did you start to, you know, start to, to notice the, the difference between what Sean was doing from a um, supporting you know, right. police brutality and and, and shining a spotlight on it, and you know, and social justice. So and then, so the first thing I'll say is that my
3: violence. my approach to Sean recently has been a little different than others because I intentionally did not accuse Sean of fraud or stealing or anything else. Because what happens is when he's able, when his defenders or he himself. Are able to pinpoint that They always just say he opened his bank account He did this he showed us this And the reality is I don't know if Sean is stealing I do know that he's not Handling the money that he's given Appropriately right So there's fiduciary Irresponsibility and then there's plain Old theft but You know when the first becomes a habit It's as bad as the second So um, I have been Following Sean since Probably he, you know, kind of became known following Ferguson uprising, and around that time, there was him and another um, act, kind of quote unquote activist, who has since like just disappeared. He had like a mental breakdown in real time on the timeline. I think he might have even gone to jail for some shit. But the I will say this: the people who first put Sean in the crosshead crosshairs was the all right I'll admit I, I have to admit to that um and they did it with him and this other guy and at the time that they were accusing him of stuff um, it was this writer named Charles oh I can't remember his name but it was this guy who wrote I want to say for Breitbart who used to just be on every BLM activist's ass like he particularly had these two so he was the one who started um, you know with digging up Sean's you know picture of his father and his birth certificate and talk to his family and all of that like he actually started all of that so but when they were right. um making their accusations against both these guys i did my own googling and looking them up and in 2014 it was much easier to find um some of sean's old stuff so like there were facebook groups from old orgs still up, and from old like crowdfunding campaigns it was easier to find comments from people who went to his former church, from people who had tried to do fundraising through his former platform, Hope Mob. There was just a lot more to find. <laughs> and from that point on, I was just kind of watching how he moves. And the fact that, you know, Sean, people give Sean credit for bringing attention to stuff that they might otherwise not know about, which is fair to an extent, but Sean is. Sean's problem is his self-importance. So, like, Sean's not a journalist. He doesn't actually do any research. He doesn't actually do any investigating. He puts out calls for information. People give it to him, and he puts it all in one place for people to find, which is important, but it doesn't make you a journalist. And I also feel like Sean has always had a bit of a hero complex, which is why he can't just be... a a part of an organization like he has to be the leader he has to be the whatever and i you know i think he wants to be known for doing good work like in 2015 his bio said he was one of the most well-respected humanitarians in the world that's 2015 literally right so it's like my nigga for real you know so it's kind of so i've been watching him nothing that i'm saying about sean is new Hmm. um And then, in late 2015, after he had a couple of failed launches of social justice organizations, the people who were part of those organizations asked him to promise to stop organizing and just amplify information, share information, fundraise. He's a gifted fundraiser. There's nothing wrong with that. But like, stop trying to actually lead organizations, and he said he would and he stopped for a little while, and then he started again. So the thing about Sean is that if you know what to look for, cause it is harder to find now, and it's harder to separate the um, kind of conspiracy allegations against him from the real shit. But if you, but like what I did with my thread was I literally just took Sean's own emails, his own tweets, screen caps from his own websites, and just let them speak for themselves because you can just see a pattern through that i made no suppositions mm-hmm. no guesses and i left out even though people have found financial discrepancies with his taxes i left all that out because i didn't want anybody to give an excuse of like i got to verify these sources i got to go back and research i got to go back and check you may not be correct i it's this emails from sean this is sean's website this is sean's tweet And I just put him in chronological order, like, look for yourself. Look at his pattern for yourself.
1: How is it that people are still, you know, following him? Mm -hmm. Keep People keep still giving him money?
3: There's two reasons. The first reason is that a lot of Sean's funders, even though Black people retweet and repost him a lot, a lot of the people who actually give him money are white people who are looking for a very easy way to feel like they did something, right? So Sean posts something, it gets a lot of clicks, it gets a lot of reshares, it goes viral. They trust that it must be good. This is a name they recognize. He's associated with people they know, boom, click, link, give $3, $5, $10 monthly, no problem. They're, they're, help, they're helping social justice, right? And he knows that. But the other thing is that the reason he keeps getting away with starting all these orgs is again because the dialogue around him is, always ends up being about the fraud from the family sure. GoFundMe's, which he can very much defend himself from against and refute. Sean is not the beneficiary or the organizer for these GoFundMe's that he does. He's just amplifying them. So that's why that's why I was trying to make sure not to muddy the waters because it isn't even just about is Sean stealing money? Is he a fraud? Is he reappropriating money? And be clear. Nobody could actually fault Sean if he had a salary built in to the organizations that he runs. All officers in social justice organizations do. But when he turns around, he's like, I don't make a dime off of this. I don't make a dime off of that. Now you're lying. Like, now you're ob- obfuscating, right? Like, and that's always been the problem. That's been my problem with Sean from day one. It's just about there's no transparency. Like, where's the business plan? Where's the budgets? Where's the actual, like, P&L year over year? Where where are those things? And when he did his little quote unquote financial report, that was about his personal shit. Where's all this org shit, right? And that's what a lot of people have been asking him. And what folks will tell you with that who have been involved with him is that every time they start to ask those questions, he just disbands the org, or he blocks them, or he kicks them out of said org, and he does not answer those questions. So I do believe at some point, Sean's fiduciary sloppiness is going to catch up with him, right? But the reason he gets away with it is because when he defends himself, he points to people saying that he's stealing money from families, which he can prove he is not doing. People don't say why even though D-Ray tried, but even then, like Sean made it Sean knows how to pivot. He was like, it's personal and he's jealous and everybody was all too eager to just be like, Y'all two need to stop this, rather than actually listening or reading what D-Ray was saying. But it's like it's not even about the people have to pivot away from he's not black or he's stealing money from the families and look at what is really plain and visible and easy to call out and hold him accountable for, which is, dude, what the fuck do you be doing? Like you start something every, every year, multiple things a year and they fail miserably and you are on record multiple times talking about how you're overzealous and you didn't take the advice of advisors and you thought you could do everything at once and you were wrong, like multiple times on record saying this and yet then you start something else so that's the thing that people need to be focusing on because when people defend him, <laughs> even with my threat, people were like, "He's, but he's not a fraud. He's not a scammer. He's opened up his books. And I was like, where did I call him a fraud and where did I call him a scammer? These are his own fucking words.
2: Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. What about his defenders? Have you been receiving any, back, uh, any flack for just jumping into the space right. and... I know you're not trying to muddy the waters, but have they have they? Uh,
3: sure. I mean, well, his defender considered
2: you to be doing is, that. This no? is
3: this is how I know this thread worked because this is the least amount of pushback because this isn't my first time talking about Sean. This is just the one that caught the most traction. This is the least mm-hmm. amount of pushback I've had from people on Sean. The least, mm-hmm. like one guy got to the point, like one person was already like um said something about Sean and he jumped in and he was like that man you know that man opened like already said, that man opened his books and blah 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 and they linked him to my thread and they were like you should read this and he was like I don't have to read anything I've done my research I'm confident in what I feel but then he did read my thread and he came to me and was like who paid you to do this there's no way you took this much time to do this unless somebody's paying you I was like oh so you did your research I also did my research and I just showed my work. I was like, I, w- I would assume you took some time to do your research too, right? And he I was like, but I noticed you can't say anything about the content. And he just kept saying, Who paid you? Who paid you? Who paid you? And finally, I was like, Your mother, the Easter bunny, Jesus, somebody, I don't know what you want to hear. And like then he had to shut up because I'm like, you can't actually say anything about what's in it because it's the man's own words. Like I didn't put no I intentionally made it as simple as fucking possible. There weren't any link outs you had to read to any other stories there weren't any complicated documents that you had to like analyze it was just screen grab screen grab screen grab screen grab that's it and none of my own like conjecture of and then this happened and if you look at this part it says this thing there were a couple of things where i was like notice this highlight but like that's it and i left i made it as refute proof as possible and this is literally the least amount of pushback because usually i get the whole and I got a few, but usually it's the whole, you're trying to bring a black man down. Um, one woman was like, I see Simone Sanders follows you and that's why you're going after Sean King. And I was like, okay, because Simone Sanders follows me, I'm going after Sean King. You know, it's just like, but honestly, all told, this is, this is the least amount of Sean capers in my mentions I've ever had when I brought him up. But I also think that's because the tide is turning for him. And... Um, and he's, he's losing some support because more and more people are starting to realize because there are some people who are always like, I've never heard any criticism of Sean King. And I'm like, where the fuck have you been? So, but I think that people are now starting to realize, like, even if there's not fire, how much smoke are you going to inhale before you pass out? You know, so it's like, it's just too, there's just too many questions around that.
1: Right. And, and, you know, as a, you know, I, I run a non so yeah. mm-hmm. I understand what it took to start a nonprofit, and then right. what it takes to maintain it, right? And right. And having, you know, we haven't raised enough money for us to start really, you know, we have to file every year, hey, this is how much, you know, we, we made below the IRS standard, right? Right. Right. And then once we get to the point where, you know, we made, we've raised more money, we're going to, you know, file a little more detailed, right, um, return. But then on the other side of it, I also start my own business, right? So I also know what it takes to incorporate. and also know everything it takes or, or the details of all the paperwork that goes that's involved. That to your point, like the the paper trail is really what people want to see. It's like yeah. you're, you're you know you're people are trusting you, people are trusting Sean um, to start these businesses. But then also people, you know, he's hiring staff. He's he's having people, you know, leave their jobs to come work for him. Right. And you know. It's like okay, well, we're putting in this work. Okay, are we getting? Are they getting paid for it? Um, Are you taking their work, claiming it for your own? Which you you know, we've seen a number of those allegations. Yeah. You know, so it's it goes beyond. So it goes beyond his own personal, like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Now you're impacting people's lives because now you're trying to, you're trying to to kind of quote unquote create this this movement.
3: Right. And also like the other thing with Sean is that because no actual activists fuck with him, he is actually taking away from resources that could be for smaller orgs that are actually on the ground doing the work. So he already had a reputation for scooping local journalists in order to be like the first to get news out to his people about stuff. But it's the same thing with the org work. Like if you're jumping on momentum that's already happened and like, for example, taking taking credit in an email for Brianna's law passing when that was Black Lives Matter Louisville and all kinds of, petitions and and you know everybody like brianna's name was trending you did not do that sean like any social movement anybody was pushing for brianna's law to get passed so you're going to take credit for it in the email and then put this link up like we need we got more work to do can you donate like a couple dollars real quick that kind of stuff is preventing other orgs from being able to get funding that they could properly use and focus, you know, towards their their ends, and also just from them getting recognition. So, like, my question to Sean would be, why are you not actually working in conjunction with other organizations? Why aren't you working in conjunction with Black Lives Matter chapters? Why aren't you working in conjunction with other activists and helping amplify existing movements that already have traction instead of starting another new social justice something something? All of them. and I believe Van Jones and this is this is complete speculation I have a feeling Van Jones was behind that one that's, so, my that's, thought, one,
1: that's so. what I was getting to <laughs> um,
3: and I said it I said it then I was like this looks like Van called Sean King and was like this, this is the direction you need to move in now that Bernie is out
1: so well, well that's what I was going to get to right so the second piece you know so talking about Van right so you know it came to you know it's come to find it's come out that he is one of the co-authors for the the Senate uh, crime reform or police reform bill mm-hmm. that was super watered down that really had really had nothing you know in it that was you know so um, substantial substantial
3: yeah and
1: you know so he's been he's but he was on CNN he was pushing the bill had made no mention no disclosure that he was a co-author of the bill and right. then, you know and then to your point it's like okay well now you know we let's let's bring in and I felt the same way
3: right. Well, here's the thing. I can't, what I will say about Van is that for me, it's not so much that Van was uh, worked on the legislation because we do have to, like, the, the GOP has control of everything, right? So there does have to be some amount of work with them. And that's not unheard of. My issue with it is that you did not reveal that you worked on the legislation. And like you said, he's on CNN where he is a correspondent, touting it, pushing it, cheering for it. Without revealing that he was part of it, that to me is disingenuous. And Van moves the way the fucking wind blows. So before, if you people may have forgotten, when Van was part of the of Obama's um, Green Initiative, oh, he had to resign because pre-Obama administration he was considered a radical leftist, and so he was so far to the left. And I want to say a couple of things that he had been involved in, in terms of messaging and stuff for like a little too out there. So Obama had to break ties with him. This was also when they were giving Obama a hard time about his reverend and all of this other stuff. So you go from being a radical leftist to, you know, normal down the middle black liberal to all of a sudden like your center right. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, you just moving with the check, bro. Like, that's it. That's all, that's all you're doing. And you can't, and I mean, and it's not new. He's been hanging out with Eric Trump for ages, you know, and he's been, there have been pictures of him. It's not even like he's hiding pictures of him in the White House at all kinds of events, smiling, cheesing, kikiing, all of that throughout the whole administration. And I think Van is another one where it's like, if you're not, what Van and Sean both have proven to me is that People who are on Twitter miss a lot of shit that we just assume everybody's seen. So they might be like, well, what's wrong with Van? Cause he still gets, you know, he's he's uh and I'm and I'm I'm saying this on honesty, he's a he's a he's a telegenic black man who knows how to speak on camera and sound like he knows what he's talking about. That means you get all the invites to places, right? To talk. And with with people not knowing and with people not knowing like this that you know he was at the White House or he was doing this or doing that. And then he's also represented by Rock Nation. So they're definitely positioning him as a speaker. So they're definitely positioning him in certain rooms. But again, I think it just we have to examine everybody more closely, right? It's funny, like people would be so quick to call folks an op, but then the people who are actually an op. It's like, oh, you're just trying to tear a, a smart black man down. And it's like, nah, this person is actually the person who's working against us right now or doing or like the double team.
2: I respect Naima's, you know, gangster. Oh, wait. You know, I just want to know, you know, your motivation. Like, is it important that, speaking of the stakes, let's talk about the stakes that we're in right now. Are the stakes too high to have a faulty messenger or, mm-hmm. okay, 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 can I ask
3: <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and it might be or, yes and, what Whatever I, the was going to be, one hundred percent. Um, yes.
2: does it matter if all hands on deck? Just getting the message out is that can can that play a role as well?
3: The messenger matters. The messenger always matters, and I think I think we've started to come to this kind of like apologist point of view which people did for Kanye when all of a sudden he was born again. Christian was like, well, does it matter if, he, if he's bringing people to Jesus? Yes, the messenger matters. The Bible says that everything we've ever been like our whole lives, we've been taught that the person teaching us matters. The person give delivering messages to us matters that hasn't suddenly changed because a person's intention matters, right? How they're going to frame what they're bringing to you matters. So like in the case of Sean, that's great that he is, giving some people some info about, you know, stuff that they might not otherwise be aware of, but there is not a single thing that I've seen break from Sean that I have not seen somewhere else, but that's because of who I follow. And what I've told people is that Sean is good. One-stop shopping. It just means you might need to look a little harder to stay informed, follow a few more people. Like, you know, people like Sean because they don't have to look nowhere else for no other information. That's not necessarily helpful, right? It's like getting all your stuff from one source is not helpful. So in the case of like a van or Sean or a fucking Terry Crews or, you know, it's like with all of them, the stakes are entirely too high. If you have a platform, if you are a person of influence to play around and they're especially too high for you to play if this isn't actually even what you believe, but you're doing it because of what it can benefit you, right? And we saw that happening when Obama was in office, there were a group of black people for whom it was very profitable to be anti-Obama. There was and not even necessarily all the way right, but just but just leftist anti-Obama, right? And we saw that with like Mark Lamont Hill went on record and said, we can afford to lose one election because he was backing Jill Stein. I still have not forgiven Mark Lamont Hill for that shit to Mm. this day. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, that's the most irresponsible shit. And then he jumped behind Bernie. And it's like, I can't, and I don't, and like, my thing is like, I don't believe for two seconds you thought Jill Stein was the most popular candidate. I think that he was, I think that the assumption was that Hillary was going to win and he was going to be able to be the person who was doing anti-Hillary talking points. Even Don Lemon got his shit together when he realized, like, oh, shit's about to get real. Let me get back to black right quick. Because I believe Don Lemon knew better when he was out here shucking and jiving. But that got him from a weekend anchor spot to a nightly desk at CNN. You know, so it's, but but then he was like, all right, let me stop playing. Like, don limit is a black man made, raised by a single mother in baton rouge louisiana you're not going to tell me he believed none of that shit he used to say mm. that was a ploy you know and i, I haven't always forgiven him for that shit either you know so it's like the stakes yes the stakes are too high and yes the messenger 100 matters like charlemagne T.I. oh i got questions for everybody you got serious
2: we got we
1: got questions i don't <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Naima. I um, no, we definitely appreciate you coming on and, and you know, sharing with us about these tiers and also about the music survey, you uh, know, more importantly, you know, talking about these false prophets. Uh, so can you tell us, you know, what you're doing, podcasts, anything else that, you know, our, our listeners can hear you on or see you on?
3: sure so people can find me on twitter at naima n-a-i-m-a they can find me on instagram at naima graham um which is n-a-i-m-a plus graham um these tiers friday nights through my um ig live uh, music sermon you can just search the hashtag music sermon on twitter or you can go to music sermon.com and i do currently have two podcasts one called wednesday service which is uh, part of the BOM Network, B O M M, Black Opinions Matter, um, which is part of the Count the Dings family. So, wherever you can find podcasts, if you look for B O M M, you will find my podcast under that. And a second one is Pop Life Podcast, which is me and two friends. All of us are longtime music industry executives, and we talk about music, pop culture, and a little bit of everything else. And that you can find um, by searching Pop Life Podcast. No doubt. Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Later.
2: Later. Peace.
1: peace Hey, so you saw him, though. Know, that was a great segment, right? You know, Daima she dropped a lot of information for us, right?
2: Yeah, she's she's out here taking names and trying to hold people accountable. And this is not a time to be playing around because these internets will come and get you.
1: Nah, this the receipts are there, you know. And, and to a point, we definitely need to be. Uh, more accountable with our platforms be more responsible and you know it's there's no time to play like there is no the messenger you know is definitely important um, and the message that they're they're sharing is as important as well so indeed all right well this has been a good first episode of the digital soul podcast uh, we're gonna Be back with you guys at some point later on. Uh, Again, saying peace out. Isan, I'll catch you later.
2: No doubt. I'll be there, man. I'll be there. All right. One. One.